Yo, it's the Lost Cause back on air. <laughs> and today, the producers are still back on air, which is a surprise, trust me. And we have one more special guest. Want to introduce yourself? Once sure. again, the, what I say to every guest before is like, share as much information or as little information as you want. Okay. And as honest or as lying as you want. And we have a whole bunch of other stuff happening. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, hey guys, my name is Seishev. Uh I know these two through my sister. Yeah. Yeah. So. Who's your sister? My she's, sister is yeah. my sister. Who's, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> has she been, been on the air? Ha, has she? I have yes. no idea. How did you not listen to her episode, dude? I didn't know she was actually on the podcast. She was on the podcast. Okay. She has so never told me. Twenty this. has been the most popular one. With yeah, her. with her, that, that yeah. makes sense. She's a social <laughs> butterfly. Um, it's because she brought up a lot of supernatural questions. Supernatural. Supernatural. Yeah, it's all ritualistic stuff. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like. I want to say super traditional, like Indian. Trad- yeah. Yeah. Okay. The cultural, the rituals, the prayers. All right. All so stuff. episode twenty. If you guys want to go back and look. Shout out. It. We always give you a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, she was your college friend, right? Mm-hmm. She went to University of Virginia, as most of you all probably know. Um, Do they? they all right. Know. She went to University <laughs> of Virginia, and then she knew you through Jellock, who's our family friend. Yep. Yeah. Still trying to get her as a guest. Just a heads up. It'll happen. Yeah, yeah. you gotta force it. Maybe you have to go to Baltimore to actually do it. She's going to New I'm Orleans at the end of this month because she has a conference, so we can do it Ooh. right after, so she can talk about her experiences. Ooh, perfect. Or I mean, she probably won't remember much. She probably. But <laughs> I mean, didn't we have a similar experience with our previous conference? Uh London. Yeah, I don't know. I, no, because like I saw her before her London conference, and we were like, "Oh, we'll do it right after your London conference. You have something to talk about." And yeah, but like, then she had more work. Classic. But I think after this one, she might actually be free. Yeah. yeah but she's a PhD. She's always gonna have more work. That's true. It's like so, doctors all over again. Yeah. Basically, that's how I got to know both of you. Yeah. Uh, I think the longest we spent was like in Peru, right? We actually went on a trip with nine my days. sister. Nine yeah, days. Nine days. Yeah. That's actually how I met Varun. I had heard a lot about him. <laughs> He gave my sister a portrait <laughs> of her own face in pennies. <laughs> so you're like, who the heck is this dude? Right? So, Penny boy. Yeah. So, oh, man. Please, explain more of your reactions here. Just It was exactly how like my sister <laughs> described him. But we got along really well because we liked the old Indian comedies. Oh, nice. So, and he's like, he can quote them. And I've seen them enough that I can quote them. So that was good. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you would have been perfect for when Varun was here because you guys would have been going back and forth and I'd be the awkward one. Here. Yeah. So that's that's the one thing I do share with Varun is that yeah. we love our Indian comedies. Yeah. yeah. And so, then he made a portrait of your sister. Cool. You have a sister. <laughs> There's that. Yeah. Cool. So Very that's the introduction. Okay. Um, Question for you. Yeah. How does it feel to be hanging out with your sister's friends? Does that feel any different? Well, I've gotten, like, I hopefully we've gotten close enough where, you know, it's okay. Yes, I 100% agree. Yeah. But, okay. yeah, it was weird at the beginning, right? Okay. Like, um, but I think, mo- like, she would just, like, bring him over. Yeah. Like, uh, she, when she came to visit Austin, she, it was just oh, her and six of her I know, friends. I wasn't there, damn it. Yeah. So, it was like, okay, now, I have to, like, you kind of get to know him because you're taking your sister around mm-hmm. and they're there, right? And yeah. Who we had met before. Mm-hmm. Um, Manan... Kinda, sorta, not really. Yeah. Yeah. I think for Austin was the first time you met most of them, right? 
Actually, no. no. You met Manan, me, and Sanche once. We yes. played Monopoly, and I well, and because you. you guys were there over the, that summer, right? So <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. I, when I would be there, you guys would always be there. Too, yeah, because you guys were uh, so close. Mm-hmm. So that was the first time I remember meeting you. Yeah, so that kind of like you know, it's not. It starts out as your sister's friend, but you kind of like, okay, do I do yeah. like these people? It kind of yeah. becomes friendship after that. Yeah. yeah, we also gelled pretty easily, and I think it probably helps that you and your sister aren't that different in age. That's it's true. Like, yeah, you guys are a year, maybe two max, right? Yeah, it's less than a year, like a oh, year and eight. Yeah. So, so exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I think that makes a big difference too. And because you feel yeah. like exactly part of the group. Like everyone has the same attitude. Everyone has the same. And it's like attitude. you're very close in age with everyone mm-hmm. else, right? And growing up, it was the opposite, right? She would hang out a lot with my my friends. Mm. So in high school, we actually played tennis a lot over yeah. the summer. Like we would like, play tennis, come back, play cards. Yeah. Like that was over <laughs> summer. Like, yeah. Yeah. So and That's I was with my like best friend and one of our like common friends, right? Mm-hmm. So. It's kind of like the opposite now. Yeah. Now, not to say she doesn't hang out with my friends, because she does. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I remember mentioning it. Uh, some of your roommates that you live with recently. Yeah, uh, last year. Yeah. yeah. Before we all moved out. Yeah. So yeah. John, who's my best friend, like, mm-hmm. um, she's known him for as long as I've known him. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you meet him like in elementary, middle school? Uh, we met first year of college, actually. Oh, so. Okay. For some reason, we both decided that this freshman in- mentoring thing, we should join this group because we were both new, right? Okay. Um, and we were both in the same dorm. Yeah. Right? So, but he didn't like his dorm roommate. Yeah. So he would come hung- hang out with us in our dorm room. Yeah. So we just kind of like, and then we were both in engineering. Mm-hmm. He was electrical, I was computer, so it was kind of like, okay. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of became a friendship after that. Nice. By the way, we're all computer science majors. Wow. Classic Indians. Computer engineering. <laughs> computer engineering. Hey, that's true. Fine. Computer science, econ, computer engineering, computer science, masters. And math. And math? Oh, damn. Oh, wait, you did a double major, right? Yeah. Oh, never mind. I did a minor, so it doesn't count. Uh, but, like, that's still nice. math. And math. Eh, I don't use it. Math is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. I remember last podcast, she's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went to her place, and then um, they have their degrees hung up. It's like, damn, this is a master's minimum yeah, family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh, don't even have my degree. My dad has it in his office. Cause I actually haven't even opened my degree. It's in the circular box that oh it came in, God. and I don't remember where I put it. Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's in my basement. That's Just find a circular box. Mm. No, just, it just, just comes in a circular, it comes in a <laughs> cylindrical box, but it's, 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 it's a rectangular uh, one. But obnoxious UVA they like give you abnormally large degrees they do do that my, si- my sister's <laughs> degree is like twice as big as mine and I'm like you we've done the same work essentially so yeah oh yeah um, another key difference here is like all three of us have gone to different schools have you ever had like the inter-school rivalry or like with your sister especially oh with my sister uh, yeah. I went to Virginia Tech okay yeah so you want to explain your I went to VCU, which you know, Commonwealth University. Wow, look at you, explaining yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah UVA. UVA Should I say it? The, no, the University of Virginia. Virginia. <laughs> um, I'm not going to be one of those people. I just wanted to. So the best, I, she would never tell you this story, so I'm going to tell it. Oh, yeah, this is perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So just what we wanted. She applied to tech, right? Yeah. For uh, for she their didn't tell me the story, right? but let's continue. Yeah, I don't think she would tell you it on air, but I would. <laughs> Not on the bigger brother. So here we go. Um, and she didn't get accepted to the engineering school. Yeah. She got waitlisted from it, and I don't I don't understand how, mm-hmm. right? Because she was like third or second in our high school. Yeah. College of the tennis team. Yeah. What the? And she calls me crying. Oh. Because she didn't want to tell the parents that. <laughs> yeah. She didn't get into the tech engineering school. I'm like, you'll be fine. It's gonna be okay. You'll you still have it. other, you know, schools mm-hmm. that you applied to. I'm and glad she didn't get there. First yeah. Of all. <laughs> first, next, I guess in the next couple of days, UVA. Yeah. She got the acceptance letter for UVA. She calls me. She's like, yeah, it's fine. I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> Because UVA like accepted their so I, I'm just saying that's the UVA engineering and that's the tech. No, I'm just kidding. Nah. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I don't really believe in the school I rivalry. Okay, it's good for sports mm-hmm. and to build a narrative. Mm-hmm. But overall, like I like I have friends who went to UVA. Yeah, I have friends who went to tech. Yeah, John did a master's at UVA. Yeah, so it's kind of nice. like so he has interconflict with himself. <laughs> he never really cared for that, that's right? Good. Like. That's good. Y- yeah, it's nice to have that, like, hey, I'm a Hokie, mm-hmm. or, you know, but honestly, it really shouldn't matter. Yeah. Right? Like, you're still per- a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? If you don't go to that school, The only no... thing I get mad about is that you guys call your campus the grounds, and I'm like, I can't stand for that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it comes out so naturally now. Mm-hmm. So you were saying? Is it a common rivalry between... UVA and tech? If in football, yeah, in, a sports in football. Yeah, it's so, tech, tech is very, from what I know, tech is very, like, school pride. Uh, all my friends were like very, yes, Hokies, Hokies, because they were g- way better than us in football. Like 100%. They'll beat us almost every year. I think if Last we... Last 12 years, or yeah. 10 years, or something like See, that. See, there's that rivalry, a little bit of coming out. <laughs> um, That's just a fact. No <laughs> Last 10 years, Commonwealth Cup. Uh, so like if they... Be, and then basketball is like where we rule, but like I think they've beat us in basketball maybe once, maybe twice. So they go crazy. Like all my friends who have uh, gone to tech, they go crazy when... Tech beats UVA. Well, it's like the interstate like rivalry. Yeah, exactly. And it's not even in Virginia yeah. either, right? Like Michigan. Oh, I yeah. have a lot of Michigan coworkers yeah. and Michigan, Michigan State or Michigan, mm-hmm. Ohio State. That's like, you think UVA Tech is bad? No. no. I, th- I don't think we're that bad. No, we're not. There's really like bad. schools that have like decades rivalries and like, but those make the games fun. Yeah. I, I will agree that those make games against those specific schools fun. And they help sell tickets. That that's yeah. at the end of the day, it helps that's sell tickets, thing. right? Yeah. So that's that's kind of what it comes down to. What about VCU? What kind of rivalries did they have? Or do you use the big rival? Dominion, yeah. I don't even know why, because they weren't like what sport or what? Or anything like that. Oh, what so, the? I'm, not, I'm talking about ODU. Yeah. Well, um, I think well, it might be historical, right? Like, was yeah. VCU always good at basketball? No, it was like that era. <laughs> No, 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 exactly. But when you were that build up, right? It was that build up that kind of like so then ODU was kinda like so I don't think UVA or Tech were like historically basketball schools, really. Yeah. It was just, it was just the interstate rival. And one became one good at one thing, the other became good at the other, and it kinda's like, Oh, now we have to beat you at your yeah. best mm-hmm. sport type of deal. Mm-hmm. I agree. And um going back to like the weight getting into schools and getting weightless and all that. I have personal experience in here. Just like, it's strange how some schools can accept you and some schools can't, and then strange how if you transfer. So my, my experience was a transfer. I went to Mason for a year. I don't know if I ever, ever no, told I you this. No, I didn't know about that. Yeah. So I went to Mason for a year, then applied to uh, Tech and UVA. Tech, I got into the engineering school after the transfer immediately. Um, 
and then my first year, like when I first applied, Tech, I got waitlisted and then rejected. Um, UVA, I just got plain out rejected. And then when I applied to the transfer, I got into Tech, so I paid them the deposit because I got waitlisted into UVA. I still couldn't yeah. get in. Yeah. And then randomly, I got off the waitlist, like right as I have already accepted the Tech stuff, everything is good to go, and I'm just going to I decided to go there. And then one of my closest friends also went to UVA, so I think that definitely pushed me over to UVA. Mm-hmm. So by like schools-wise... Um, schools wise like, it's strange how you can get into something and some people can not get into that even with the same kind of ranking so it's like strange how they decide who gets in who yeah. doesn't and it's gotten so competitive yeah, yeah. So, so you chose UVA because of your friend I chose UVA because that's where I wanted to go first of all has like a better engineering superior engineering program yeah. but the thing is I didn't want to be superior damn sorry oh. <laughs> I think it has a different yeah, base right I think it has a different base um, like I said she just looks over like what <laughs> So this, better, is, this is what I've heard, and I don't know how much is true. Um, UVA typically, like, I didn't want to go to UVA for the t- uh, engineering. I just applied to the engineering school because I knew I could get, I had a better shot at getting into engineering school than regular college. And because UVA. my, yeah, UVA. Because my scores, I had a perfect 800 on the SAT math, but I didn't beat 2000s. So that tells you my reading and writing score were pathetic. So just that as a picture um which means like 600 600 or like less right um i'm putting it i'm putting it all all out there (laughs) i'm putting it all out there yeah you're teaching the math minor like how to (laughs) i know right the two x's are (laughs) (laughs) x plus y equals um (laughs) funny story which i'll get back to um it's crazy when you go into math you forget the math okay i'll get back to that (laughs) um but like because of that, I knew I had a better shot at UVA engineering, so I applied for that. And I guess like for tech, it definitely worked out because of the 800 score. And then for um, UVA, it waitlisted me, and then I had really good scores at school, like my English A plus, whatever. Like I thought Mason was fairly easy, and the competition—it's also the competition, so your curve is much higher, even if the material is the same. So that's sort of what pushed me over, I think. But yeah, I wanted to go to UVA more for business. I was going to transfer into their dar- the McIntyre school. But then I got in, and I was, like, too lazy. And then I almost gave up on transferring, first of all, so. And you realized computer science better. Yeah, I was like, computer science, this is easy. <laughs> so well, better. You, you can so. always go back and get a business degree whenever. Exactly, which is why I still have my econ major. Like, yeah. And MBA is consistently an option. Like, already took my GMAT. Yeah. Is econ part of the business school at UVA? No, it's not. <laughs> the oh. funny thing is, no, econ is just part of the college, the regular college. Mm. Uh, the business school you have to apply for uh, in your third year. So it's like a school inside the college. Of- it's a separate school. It's almost yeah. like the separate, it's like an engineering school. So the UVA has the College of Arts and Science, engineering school, um, McIntyre. McIntyre, you have to apply at the end of your second year, and you'll see if you get in or not. A lot of people who don't get into McIntyre end up majoring in econ. Mm. I was not that reason. I just did not apply. <laughs> You're like, I'm not even going to get my tickets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take that. I'm going to reject you. <laughs> um, but I also wasn't as big of a fan of the McIntyre majors. It was like finance, accounting. They had IT in there. I was like, I'm already doing that. The yeah. IT? Like business IT? It was probably like information information technology. It was like half uh, computer science and half, engineer, uh, half business related. How do you write business 
Like, was your basic? Like, I never no, understood probably, that. Probably more program manager side, I would say. Okay. Like, project manager or program manager. I would say it would go more towards that side. Yeah, like, all the analysts where I work, they come from an IT background. Yeah. So you have the most technical background. Well, yeah, I guess. You're like, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't like to compare, but yes. <laughs> I just don't, like, use that knowledge already yeah. on a daily basis, so it's, it's different. So but you don't think the tech background helped you as much for that No, role? it did. I definitely, like... Um, it made me stand out compared to the other analysts mm-hmm. in the organization just because like they don't have that kind of background mm-hmm. and then when I do go to other people or like talk to them they, they see that more than you know another person's background I yeah. so it, it so what you're saying helps. is you're better than everyone else no I'm not saying that I'm just saying maybe I might have done a smart thing by picking the analyst track because just because I'm, diff- I'm going to be different mm-hmm. in, in what I do and rather mm-hmm. than just being a developer or just being an analyst and I agree I think um, at least from what I've seen in my company, just like technical people in managerial roles or like planning roles or any sort of thing like that have so much more say just because they actually understand what the heck the team's doing. Otherwise, they're just like asking questions and trying to figure things out as they go or they'll just wait for the team to like finish discussing and then it's like, okay, so what do I wait now? Or like, what do I... Yeah, I think having a technical background, like having a technical manager mm-hmm. as opposed to a managerial manager helps yeah. a lot. Yeah. If he understands how like software works or how development works yeah. and has actually done mm-hmm. from the start to the end, yeah. then it really, like my, I love my manager right now. Yes, yeah. because he's awesome. technical. Yeah. yeah. And he will, like, he will, he's not, he's not um, as opposed to do the managerial work because he's a mm-hmm. manager, but he will like take, he understands how software works. Right? Yeah. So it really helps us out. Mm-hmm. I've seen the two types as well, and yeah. I, I agree completely agree with you. Um, what do you want to mention? What company you work for? What kind of work sure. you're doing? Yeah, if um, you want to, yeah, you no, don't have to right. mention company because we have. No, no, no. <laughs> our our publicity department sucks, so I'll do it. Now, uh, I work at a company called OneWeb. Um, so what we are trying to do is launch uh, lower Earth orbit satellites. Um, Ooh, uh. Yeah, to provide internet <laughs> yeah. um, to. I th- like our end goal mm-hmm. is to peop- uh, schools in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like to provide internet all over the world. Mm-hmm. With like the key driving mission is okay, the schools in around the world should be connected to the internet. Yeah, because there's been studies done, and every community that gets access to the internet, yeah, can is like able to rise itself up. Yeah, right, because there's so much access to everything else on the internet. Yeah. right. I agree. I remember like studying for the SATs because you mm-hmm. were mentioning the SATs there was a, um, the guy who made Khan Academy right mm-hmm. I actually when I was studying for the SATs he was just a small YouTuber yeah I don't even know how small but like he was a YouTuber he was just starting off yeah exactly yeah. and then I was I was actually following his oh dude nice his like okay how do you do this mm-hmm. how do you do that like math mm-hmm. related um, YouTube videos so I had access to that yeah. right so I was able to but like and that was all free. Mm-hmm. Like so, if a kid in Africa or even in the U.S. Mm-hmm. has access to that in the rural communities, you could just like kind of imagine possibilities, yeah. right? What he can do for himself. Yeah, it's so much power that people can actually use. Exactly. And education. Uh, the big thing there is like education is like I would say the biggest driver for change. In no, and it's the biggest barrier, right? Yeah. yeah. Because like once you have education, people start realizing like what they don't know or what they know, and then. They start questioning the stuff yeah. in their current society, yeah. and that causes that forces change. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, it's catalyst for yeah. sure. Um, I, uh, I have a friend uh, who grew up in Fauquier County, which 
is about an hour from here yeah right and she has a childhood friend who's a teacher out there mm-hmm. and like this is what's the example she was giving us like yeah you guys are connecting the you know mm-hmm. african schools that's great but an hour away from here we rely on this one Verizon dongle yeah. that has crappy 4G service. You know, yeah. that's our school's internet. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. And you're like, oh crap. Like, we forgot just, to yeah, just, well, no, 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 it's not even that. Like, when we first provide internet in the US, because that's going to be our main, like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, we're going to test over the US because our facilities are here and the first deployment of the satellites are just going to focus mm-hmm. to the US, right? Yeah. Um, that's going to actually be great because we could like deploy these things to schools around here yeah and get actual live like okay what's going like you know have the performance and that's going to help us out later on mm-hmm. when we go across the globe mm-hmm. right so i'm really excited uh uh and i'm really lucky because i always wanted to work in the space field yeah um but as a software developer i didn't really know where i fit into mm-hmm. the space field so um i had a chance and i so I basically just applied after I graduated. I did some consultancy work for Red Hat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did that for two and a half years, got to travel the US. So that was great. But then I was like, all right, I like my job, but let's see if I can find something that I really like. So yeah. I just applied to like space related jobs yeah. for like six months. So yeah. it, was, it was good, it was good. How was the job search? I think that would uh, hit home with the producer, that's why. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I went on Indeed.com, like after like, so, <laughs> Basically, at that point in my uh, life, I was traveling to Ann Arbor. Chime in when, it, when you relate. <laughs> yeah. At that point in my life, I was traveling to Ann Arbor uh, from Austin every week. Yeah. For So now I had been doing it for the past, like, four Where would months. you go? Ann Arbor, Michigan. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay, so you would fly from, from Austin. Austin to Ann Arbor, yeah. Michigan. Yeah, I lived in Austin, Texas. Um, yes. And then I would fly to Ann Arbor, Michigan for a client every mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. even though I was not required there. Yeah. Or he, he wanted me there. I was like, I could do this from home. Yeah. No. But you still had to come. <laughs> yeah. So, and then at, after four months of that, I was like getting tired of yeah. traveling, right? Um, so I would come back from work, sit on my like hotel room, mm-hmm. and then just go like indeed.com and then just like <laughs> space related company software developer. Yeah. Um, so that's how I found uh, Boeing, had a job posted there, mm-hmm. um, and so did OneWeb. Mm-hmm. And so I applied to both of them. Mm-hmm. And interviewed at both of them and yeah. then I had a choice between like Boeing and OneWeb yeah and my parents were like go Boeing well Boeing sounds really good on your marriage um, you know when we talk hey, about your marriage we get, we get, we'll get to that topic later and I'm like you're right I'm gonna go with OneWeb <laughs> <laughs> and so you didn't want to sound like a good candidate no it's not even that it's just that I got a completely different vibe right like yeah. Boeing's been there for it's, ages it's very it's a settle down company it's like yeah, very slow as well exactly but. it's super slow there was very corporately mm-hmm. feel. i agree um one web you know i showed up to the interview and i've told the story to all my friends because yeah. it's just hilarious I just, <laughs> there's like an eight by ten or eight by eleven piece of paper that says one web right okay um taped to the out inside of the door okay. lights are off yeah I'm, I'm like what did i just get <laughs> called in you know i knock on the door there's yeah. a bell and this guy opens it and he's like I was like, interview. And he's like, oh, okay, come on in. And it's just like this empty office. And then they, he takes me around the corner, and then, like, there are the guys who I'm supposed to interview with. And, like, so I'm just in a break room getting interviewed. Okay. But talking to those guys, right? Uh, and yeah, it's a startup, but they come from, like, Iridium and mm-hmm. past, like, orbital and, like, past satellite programs. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're just wanting to launch satellites. They yeah. understand 
what requires to be long. Like, yeah. What is so it kind of gave me a word of confidence yeah. in that sense. And one of the guys, Vikram, um, who are uh, pretty close with still, mm-hmm. like, um, was the reason I joined because he kind of had this energy, mm-hmm. like, okay, I want to work for this dude or with this dude. Yeah. Um, and kind of bring this mission. You could sense the fashion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, a quick question as well. You said they did these specific missions in the past. Are these like NASA-based missions or like in no, other space all... agencies as well? If other countries, for example. Um. So, mo- uh, a lot of them come from Iridium, which is like the first, not the first, but like one of the biggest commercial operators. Okay. Right? Like I haven't so, heard of that before. That's why. Yeah. So, if you haven't heard of Iridium, they are like a global phone, like yeah. satellite phone service provider. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And they do other stuff too. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a lot of a lot of them went to orbital ATK mm-hmm. after that, and orbital runs missions for they run missions for NASA, but they also like supply um, launches and satellites for other pro, uh, mm-hmm. other customers. Okay, as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a mix of like private and commercial. Yeah. Okay. Or and, government and commercial. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, and that's crazy because I, I hadn't thought about like how much space related stuff is actually involved in most commercial pro- uh, technology now yeah especially because of how things communicate with each other right so I guess that's that's interesting okay these yeah. weren't companies I was familiar with right off the back yeah so ah. the biggest thing I didn't realize was that yeah. when I moved to DC I kind of moved before I even had found a job and oh, I was okay. still working for Red Hat at that yeah. point um, um, but I moved because I wanted to be close with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, what I didn't realize is there's a lot of space industry in this area. Really? Yeah. Because okay. you, you got have you have NASA, right? Yeah. Um, you also have Orbital ATK, which is in... Um, so there's an, a quick question. There's a NASA headquarters of some sort here, NASA work. Oh, yeah. There's Goddard the Center. Yeah. Uh, which is... Goddard is one of the big 10 NASA... At their in Space Museum area. No, it's, that's in Greenbelt. Okay. Wallop Island. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Then, then you have the Wallop Island yes. facility, right? Yeah. Which is in, uh, like the Outer Banks. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got the NASA headquarters in DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have Orbital ATK, which is in, I don't, I don't want to say Herendon, but that area okay. right there, out there. Um, there's also Orbcom, uh, which is out there. Mm-hmm. Airbus has a facility here yeah. somewhere. Um, Seattle, well, all the government, NSA, yeah. South, the Freaky Freaky Satellites. Are, <laughs> the cool stuff. Yeah, are, are also like, you know, their operation centers around here. Yeah. Um, and then you got Intelsat, yeah. which is one of the bi- other big ones. That's in Tyson's, right? Yeah. Uh, and then now you have us, who are also in Tyson's. Mm-hmm. So I, what you don't realize is like, holy cow, yeah. there's a lot of... I am impressed by the number of companies you've already named because yeah. that means you've done your research. <laughs> well, well, he works in that. Yeah, industry. he works in the industry. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's taken me two and what two years and some change to kind of like accumulate yeah. this because I had no idea what, what I was doing going in. I'm I'm wondering if I can name that many banks. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, mean, I can, can name bank. that many banks. I can name that many banks. I, I think you guys are better than me at this industry. <laughs> you got Chase. Chase. Big JP Morgan Chase, right? Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's tons. There's tons of banks though. Bank of America, can't forget that. City, SunTrust, BNY Mellon. Yeah, there's like a lot of like small ones. Um, BBT. Like, bank of like every little place. Bank of every little place. <laughs> That's actual. Yeah. <laughs> I was just yeah. going by like top to bottom, right? Yeah. There. There's a shit ton. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see tons more like up north, especially in New York. There's a couple of investment banks that actually do some banking side things too. If you were to go work for another bank, would that be a conflict of interest for you? 
I don't think so. So, I mean, it seems like very much like yes, but I don't work in... I think I would probably have more of a conflict of interest if I went to work for a security aspect of a bank or a security company mm-hmm. because of what I work on. I don't work on the actual banking side of the bank. Right. So. Interesting. Yeah. But I also have never heard someone, at least, that has changed uh, running into a problem like that. Mostly because tons of people... Tons of my team is security. They've come and gone, and they're huge in their industry. So, like, they would definitely have conflict of interest in that sense. I mean, and they can't unless you sign something too. Mm -hmm. And you sign. I've I've signed nothing. Exactly. So they can't. They can't really tell you like, hey, you can't join this company because of what. And most companies don't want to get in trouble, Mm -hmm. so they're not going to ask you, hey, what were you like? You know, give Mm -hmm. me the specifics of what you. Yeah. Or like, yeah. I mean, did you have to sign something? No, I didn't. But I think it's just a thing with companies is if they if there is a conflict of interest, then usually they don't like to keep you for that two weeks notice that you give them. So it's just that, so the first time I've ever heard that was Accenture and then your company. I don't know if you want to mention your company, but Yeah, apparently Accenture does it if you go to other consulting companies they like yeah. they like you, immediately escort you out. Especially if you like Deloitte, the second they know, that's the conversation. So you should move your stuff out before you give it to your two week notice. Oh, don't worry, I'm just moving some stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> I, my, I think my desk needed some cleaning, so I'm just taking yeah. everything back. Why are you taking out the monitors? <laughs> I just, you know. So going back to OneWeb, is that a nonprofit organization? No, no, we're not. not we're not even. We're not. We're well. You could say we're nonprofit, as in we're not making any profit right now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was gonna ask that too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. right now we're still in the startup phase, right? Yeah. Like we're still raising money. Yeah. Um. We have, How many people are? In the company, I want to say around four, 350 to 400. Oh, when I joined, wow, that's awesome. Well, that's well, still pretty good. Like, that's a good bigger startup. Yeah. 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 Uh, I joined, I was employee number 100. Hey. Dude, yeah. you were actually 100 and flat? That's what it says on my like, like uh, HR profile, employee <laughs> okay. number. They probably quit, fired a couple of people. They're like, so, oh, yeah, he can exactly. be 100 now. <laughs> no. I, yeah, I think the number goes up even if some people leave. Yeah. It doesn't change the employee number. So they wanted to have a nice way to track. Yeah. I mean, but also it's like a lot of stuff gets tracked with your employee ID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Change that. But it's like super sequential. <laughs> I don't think big companies do the sequential. But it's like you're still probably. Would you be considered a small like, company or still a straight small. up startup? Straight up small. A startup. No. no well, it, it, I say we're a startup because we haven't shown any kind of profit. But okay. We're still we still have to launch yeah. the satellites at the end of this year. Yep. Right, so it's kind of like until we are like, okay, we're providing service. Mm-hmm. Here's our first customer. Mm-hmm. He got service. I'm gonna say we're a startup. Okay, so this. Yeah, I guess I I, I kind of see where you're going. Yeah, a startup. It's like it's actually like ten people maybe. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I mean, you can have a couple. You can have a hundred people startup, yeah. and it's like you're starting to stretch what a startup is. Right. Mostly because the startups like culture and like management structure is also very different. I feel like once you get to the three hundred people you've passed that like startup management cycle yeah i mean we've so, definitely gone corporate in that sense yeah. like you know we have a ceo we have hr mm-hmm. we have legal we have finance we have all that that's that crazy that you already have all that yeah. well we need that right because you do we, but it's like they're not usually huge teams are like well they're, they're not huge limited. teams mm-hmm. they're like legal is like five six I, i'm sense. making this up i have no yeah. idea how many people are legal <laughs> but like i know the hr team is five to six people we'll take right? your word for it yeah so Yes, we have all the segments that mm-hmm. we, that would need for a company because we need to show like these banks yeah. and whatnot that we are borrowing money from. Yeah. Like, hey, you're not just throwing money it. away. Yeah, because yeah, space is expensive. Yeah, and I would say space is probably has some like other 
rules and regulations that they probably have to figure out. Oh, absolutely. Mostly because it's an uncharted territory in a sense. The first I think some th- of yeah. this stuff is charted by now. But. Yeah. I think the most interesting fact that I learned was mm-hmm. that you have to deal, like, so if you're providing anything from space, mm-hmm. anything that you go over, especially for low Earth orbit where the satellites can't stay in one place, so they're yeah. like, so anything that you go over, you have to have landing rights, they call yeah. them, on that piece of ground. So you have to deal zones. with every yeah. co- single country. Yeah. So just the manpower needed for all those regulations mm-hmm. and all those landing rights is just kind of like, okay. I bet. Because it's, it's like you're infringing on their air territory, right? Technically, it's their territory. Yeah. And if you transmit anything over their airspace, that could be... Uh, they have full right to like intercept the signal or whatever. Well, not even intercept. It's just like they could... Com- uh, they could they could complain to it about the what's called the ITU, which is the International Telecommunications okay. Union, right? And then they are the ones who are providing the license for you to operate in the frequency band, and they yeah. could take your license away or like worse, okay. right? And it's on a first come first serve basis. So if your license goes, yeah. the next person in line yeah. for that very expensive piece of licensing. Mm-hmm. You should look up. You should look up that licensing thing because I think I've seen All a right. picture of it. <laughs> what did you say? Oh, they can shoot it down. Okay. <laughs> They could. War on this company. <laughs> no, but like, I think I've seen the licensing that you mentioned, and it's like such a small range of frequencies, and then people like buy them up as yeah, fast as possible. Yeah, exactly. It's this is very kind expensive. of crazy. You're only allowed to operate in these frequencies, and that's that's yeah. worth, that's your company. Yeah. If that goes, you go. Because mm-hmm. you just then you just got some dead, like, not dead. Oh no! Hey, technical issues strike again. This usually happens around thirty minutes, so we'll continue. It's okay. It's okay. Always. Always. We like to keep it fresh, you know. Or consistent. Like, consistent. FCC enforces it. Yeah. Federal communications. In the U.S., but they they no. they go actually. Uh, the ITU enforces it for every other like all yeah. of this. So FCC actually. You probably need to lift to the back. ITU. There's a back thing. You probably know more about that. I can Google. Yeah. <laughs> he can probably give us a quick advice. Well, so the nice thing about my company is that we do like these fun talks where people from all over the yeah. company will like every week will do like an hour long presentation, yeah. like during our lunch hour. So you could just attend it and like you learn about something about oh, another that's section. Cool. Like because me working in what what they call the fleet management segment, mm-hmm. which is like, hey, once the satellites are up, we need to manage them. Mm-hmm. Um, take it like, you know, like take the day to day stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I don't know what's going on in regulatory on yeah. a daily basis, right? Um, but Sometimes it's better not to, but... Yeah, exactly. But it's kind of nice to learn, like, oh, this is how I learned everything, yeah, right? I like, I did, like, I they gave these presentations and you kind of, like, learn, yeah. like, oh, that's what is required. Yeah, so you, you get an idea of the overall industry yeah, at that point. Or the, yeah, and the segments within the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, I present, or my team has presented <laughs> our stuff to kind of, like, help them learn, like, hey, this is what it takes Yeah. To, to be able to manage 10 satellites, 100 satellites, and eventually 1,000 satellites. Yeah. So, it's very, it's, it's been a, very, I'm still learning. Even after yeah. two, like two and a half years, I'm just, every day it's like a brand new, yeah. okay, I learned something about a satellite, or about the satellite, or space industry too. Yeah. So. so what you're saying is you're not gonna leave here for a while? Uh, I'll see it through. You'll see it through? For better or for worse, <laughs> you know? Like, I'm so glad we have a assistant producer on. Yeah, I mean, if he wants, if he wants to like get a workout, like just by holding it, that's okay. Too. Finger grip, yeah. Finger grip. <laughs> oh man. That's really interesting. Yeah, I wish, like, I had that kind of like exposure to all the departments and the company that I worked in, but it's just so huge where like you just don't know what happens in every part of the 
mm-hmm. the company. And like even if we do, it's within IT, so it's not even like you get exposure outside of IT. Yeah. As much, but does the company offer any like info sessions or lunch and learns or just so, meet and greets to people? So I actually started one of those just for like an analyst group yeah. in, in the company because you, it, so there was like, like making moves already. Yeah. <laughs> there was like no, uh, I guess the lunch and learn or whatever it is. Like departments had it within themselves, mm-hmm. but that wasn't really helping like the entire organization or the mm-hmm. company. So it's very so, isolated. Right. And then there's also analysts like in the business, like there's business analysts, there's IT analysts, and then there's Calc, which is also like a part of business. There's mm-hmm. underwriting analysts. Yeah. Like, there's like a lot of different types of analysts that I guess you don't consider yeah. when, when you like go into and like when you're in like your roots of work, you don't really know what they're doing and like how their work impacts you. Or like even sharing like simple things like this is what we do to like get requirements or this is how we show them or mm-hmm. whatever it may be like processes or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it was just like setting up a group that can share that information between each department. And How did the group go? It went, I mean, it's still, it's still going. Nice. Um, it went well. Like, we get about 120 people every month. That's yeah. a lot. That's yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been good. Um, yeah. And then... Look at you setting trends. Well, I just started it, it, but then, you know, obviously I needed help from, like, senior analysts well, and everybody that, to, like, come together and, like, yeah. market it and also future topics because mm-hmm. I don't have that much knowledge in, like, mm-hmm. the business, you know, analysis phase of things. So, like, we would get speakers from different departments to come in and say, hey, can you talk about what you do? Or, yeah. Or give a talk about, you know, whatever it is that yeah. that you think might interest the group. So Yeah, I think it's big, one of the biggest problems with companies is like they have these teams and they attempt to silos themselves. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. so you have a lot of same products with, across different teams. They're just a different way of doing their yeah. thing. And the cross functional like team collaboration gets all like difficult because it's just like not not everybody's aware of what, what your objectives are, what are their objectives, what are you doing that's gonna conflict with our objectives and mm-hmm. vice versa and things like that. So it's, Yeah. And as a company gets bigger the amount of conflicts increase and it's it it's almost like not their fault, but it's yeah. like trying to manage that is gets very much very difficult. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and like doing something like she did, like, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like showing an example yeah. kind of gets people excited. Exactly. Have you guys ever heard of the concept of like stone soup? No. Stone soup? Yeah. All right. No. So there's the, okay. So basically, <laughs> um, the story goes something like this. Yeah. Uh, so a group of soldiers come by a village, mm-hmm. right? And um, the, so all the villagers are like not that... Um, they're hesitant to like share their food. With yeah. Them, right. So the what the, the what the soldiers do is they create uh, or they start making, let's say, put some uh, water in a pot and put some rocks in it or stones if you mm-hmm. um, and start boiling it. And so the villagers are like, "What are they doing? They're just boiling some water with some rocks." So they're like curious. They come over, right? Yeah. Um. So th- and the, uh. So the their villagers are talking to the soldiers and he's like, "Oh no no no! This is gonna be great." But you know what? It would be great if if it had some carrots. So yeah. one of the villagers goes, oh, I have some carrots. And then so he goes and grabs carrots and they put it in the soup. And then he goes, and the soldiers go, oh, this is great, but you know, it would be good if it had some potatoes. And so on and on. So you kind of like, you know, you demo this thing, yeah. right? Or, or you're showing this thing and then you, you kind of get people excited about it and other people are like, you kind of like encourage them to be like, okay, this is what we have, but it would be great if you... Mm-hmm. If we had one more thing. Yeah, if you had this, and like, or we had someone who took ownership of this, or mm-hmm. like showed us what's what, mm-hmm. how they do it. Yeah. 
So it's kind of like, okay, you kind of just have to get people excited about a yeah. concept. And then once you start having a couple of people in, they're like, oh, these people already helped. It's like, oh, I could add something too. Yeah. Um, you got to get that initial buy-in though. That's the harder part. That's a really good story. I've, I have heard of it, but it's like, it's until you explained it, I did yeah. not know what the heck that was. Very good story. Yeah. So that's what we do in a lot of our sprints, right? At the very beginning of like, mm-hmm. where, when I started working, it was a 20 person or 10 person team. Yeah. Like, you know, there was not a lot of ownership. We hadn't really know what we needed. We yeah. had a kind of like a general idea. So we, a lot of what we did was throw away stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to demo this and we're going to get uh, people excited about this. Mm-hmm. And then whatever comes out of it, we're going to do it for real. Yeah. But that's how that's how it kind of started. How many of those things came to fruition, and how many of those things had to take? I can't. Turns, well, I I uh, I can say I can't. I can say <laughs> that some of the most earliest things we demoed are core now. Really? To how we're gonna operate those? Yeah. But I can't say what we really demoed that worked that's fine. because okay. NDA. No, it's not NDA. It's 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 revolutionary. Okay. That's all I can really say. Trade secrets, in a sense. So yeah, it's more. It's not. It's not copyrighted, but the fact that you have it is probably yeah, very, and, it, very it, important. It, and that's fine. I can explain it to you, right? Like, okay, so traditionally, mm-hmm. you have this satellite mm-hmm. that's a hundred million pieces or a hundred million dollar piece of hardware. Yeah. So you can afford to pay, you know, three people x twenty four hours, right? Like eight hour yeah. shifts to sit there and look at the satellite and be like, <laughs> is it healthy? Yeah. If anything goes wrong, you fix it. Yeah. But when you have a hundred satellites, let's say. You can't afford a hundred satellites at a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. You can't. You it's might no still be able to like cost expense for, like ratio wise. It might still be worth it, but it's like additional yeah. money that you could spend on satellites. Exactly. So you can, so you know like you can't justify like, hey, this guy mm-hmm. is only gonna look at this satellite, mm-hmm. right? So you gotta have to build in some automation around it. So that's that's the main challenge for us. Is that yeah. hey, whenever the fleet. Is fully completed. It's yeah. hundreds and hundreds of satellites. Yeah, like over five hundred satellites. We can't justify five hundred people sitting here times three. Yeah, looking at one satellite, right? So how do we build in this kind of like model, which kind of helps people, which reduces basically the operating expense mm-hmm. and um, reduces the cost for mm-hmm. managing a, a satellite. Mm-hmm. Like this, satellites are becoming a service. Right. Yeah. As as what what SpaceX is doing, what mm-hmm. ISRO is doing, um, what the new Ariane six is gonna do is gonna reduce launch cost. Mm-hmm. And th- that just means that there's gonna be more satellites up there, mm-hmm. and so there and satellites are gonna be a service, mm-hmm. just like everything's ten years ago, like AWS or whatever. You know, you couldn't even imagine it. Just, yeah. Now it's a service. Their data center was just yeah. Like uh, you want a database? Oh yeah. Well, you, here's the hardware. Here's your like you know software licenses. Yeah. You you, keep, you set it up. You set it up now. Yeah. Spin it up. Yeah. Here, connect your EC2 instance yeah. to your Amazon DB, and you're good. Get together, <laughs> right? Yeah. So questions, follow up questions to what you said. Mention as much as you can, or as little yeah. as you want. So does this mean? So do you have like models as a machine learning type of models, regular data science models that is telling you how to be most efficient or is it automation that's augmenting how those human resources are being used? It's the latter, right? Um, so we are gonna get a lot of satellite telemetry mm-hmm. um, because you have 500 satellites and they're all sending you telemetry. Yeah. So I think that's gonna come later. We can build out machine learning on top of the telemetry, mm-hmm. but um, right now it's trying to figure out until we get to that point, 
you still need a human in the loop, right? Because mm -hmm. people are always like, hey, this is a satellite. Yeah. They're still going to care for it. Yeah. Right? So... You can't take your eyes off it, technically. Well, no. In a sense. The, the, I, in the sense that if before you let machine learning like step in, yeah, it's kind of like that concept of like, hey, Google has this driverless car, and ninety nine percent of the time it's going to make the right decision. Yeah. But you still have a human behind the wheel, yep. so the politician feels safer, right? Yes. Sitting in his office, yeah. And like, um, so that's kind of the same concept. Yeah, machine learning is probably going to be right, but you still have this human operator kind of like, okay, this is a. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and it also we start getting into the realm of ninety nine percent is actually not enough, mostly because you're not faced with only a hundred challenges in life. You're faced with a million. At which point, in the millions realm, ninety nine percent still means you're wrong, x amount of times, and those x amount of times means it will happen. So that's that's probably why where those concerns come from. Yeah. Like it's probably hundred. It's already better than a human. But when a human makes a mistake, you can put a blame on it. When a machine makes a mistake, you it's like who's the, taking the blame? Yeah, the company gets the blame, yeah. right? So. so that's why I think they have to be so strict about that. Yeah. And having a machine, having a human until it's as close to perfect as it can get, or much better and better, is just sort of supervised learning. Exactly. So yeah, there's going to be a bunch of stuff that we can do, and mm -hmm. that's what I'm actually more excited about. Is yeah. That once that's we awesome. got so um, on the engineering analytics team, yeah. Um, and we have started developing the tools. And yeah. We've get we've gotten some great graduates from Virginia Tech. Um, at One of UVA. <laughs> um, who have done uh like who have uh majored in uh. Computer or computer science and learning mm -hmm. and all that. Or Computational system. engineering. Or yeah, I, think, I, I don't know the exact statistics. major, but it's something like that. Statistics. statistics yeah. Okay. Um, Freaking statistic majors. Actually, it's really useful nowadays. Yeah. But who already like so foresee? Difficult. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> who already foresee like yeah. where they want to take this? So it's yeah. kind of really exciting to That's get awesome. with them, right? Yeah. So it's it's we have a bunch of smart young people and a mix of like the older people, like the old guard. Who's, yeah. Like okay, we know, we'll manage, we know how to manage a satellite yeah. constellation, and the young people are like, okay, we know where we want to take this, yeah. so it's kind of nice. So now that you bring that up, question for all three of us, essentially, it's like, what is the experience with you at your company and like, the realm of the elderly slash more senior engineers, so senior developers, senior analysts that you've worked with versus the more new hires, and what have you seen, like, with that ratio and you can also explain like your previous company because I think the both of us have just been at one company so far um, like so how, how do you think that ratio really helps like changes how the yeah. dynamics so I'll start with Red Hat right um, mm -hmm. so Red Hat I was a consultant for like so I was working for Red Hat but what would what would happen is the Red Hat would send me out to like mm -hmm. implement their services in a sep like on different companies right yep. um, and I was like so the pro problem with that is you kind of like always an outsider, right? Yeah. In that company, um, and I've heard that for yeah. a lot of contractors, yeah. And it's it's harder to drive change, yeah, right? Because they're always going to see you as this foreign entity who's going to go away, and yeah. they're going to be left with this. Yep. So it can't really. So there is always that kind of like caginess that you feel while you're doing it. But some clients are great, right? Like mm -hmm. they're like they're happy to have you. Let's work on this. Let's fix this. Mm -hmm. And that was like some of my best clients, mm -hmm. right? But. Overall, it was like, doesn't matter if you're trying to do things the old way or the new way, they're always going to be feel a little bit guarded. Yeah. Um, at OneWeb, even all the new developers, um, it's kind of, uh, and the old developers, um, it does take a few, you know, a couple of months to get to speed, but at the old developers actually are 
more driven to drive the change because yeah. they have been working in that stuffy environment for so long. Yeah. And OneWeb just like is this opportunity like we have no previous way of doing things. Mm-hmm. If you want to see something done, mm-hmm. show us. Yeah. Tell us why this is better, you know. And if if we agree with it, we're gonna do it. Yeah. If you don't agree with it, we're gonna make it better than what you have, and then we're gonna still do it. Yeah. So they love that kind of freedom, right? Like, hey, we, you, you know, no traditional servers, Docker containers, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That that kind of just like frees up what to do, whatever they want. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want to use Java. You want to use Python. You don't okay. care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a Docker container at the end of the day, just do it, yeah. you know, like, you want to use this instead of that, do it, um, you want to use NoSQL instead of SQL, do it, like, mm-hmm. stuff like that, so that's kind of like, it, there's a lot of freedom, mm-hmm. and when I came in, there was nothing, Yeah. so I got to drive a lot of that change, and yeah. have, like, stand up the architecture with my manager, so that's been that's awesome. enlightening, like, yeah. yeah, so, when you get that kind of freedom, you do grow, like, yeah. you're forced to either sink or swim. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, if you can survive that, it's very good. And for you. you're forced to take ownership, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, it wasn't an established system. Mm-hmm. You did this. Yep. So when it breaks, you're responsible. Like you hey, build it, you own it. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like, okay, how do we make it better for the yeah. next step? Yeah. Right. So, it's been a lot of fun. Yep. Um, in that sense, um, the new. So, what I learned in college, I don't use today. <laughs> Even like the software development side, right? Yeah. Like they teach you how. This is how you write a program, but. They don't teach you this is how you maintain a program. Mm-hmm. Maintenance is 90% of your work after like you write something, right? Like so like bug fixing, mm-hmm. life cycle, like migrations, all that just yeah. yeah. So that's the biggest thing I have to like when we get interns or when we get like new hires, that's the biggest thing they have to kind of like come into realization yeah. with. Is that what is the life cycle of a product mm-hmm. from start to end? And even there is no end. It just continues. Yeah. What is the product? Like, after you release it, what does that mean? Yeah. You know? Like, after you submit a homework, you're done. Yeah. There's no bug fixing. Yeah. I mean, you, you either probably... get 100 or, you know, 90 or whatever points off for whatever yeah. mistake you make. You're done. You don't have to go back and maintain that. I think that's the biggest change I would make is go back and tell the teachers, like, you need to teach them, like, you to work until you get 100. Because in corporate, you can't do that. You can't just be like, yeah, I'm going to get a 95. I'm okay with that. You know? Mm-hmm. Like... Because that's never going to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, and then I think you have the other side of that aspect where you're actually enforcing those changes. Like, You're the one who gives me the 95. Yeah. yeah. And then saying, hey, these are still broken. Fix them. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like to your point about, I guess your original question was if you had senior people like on your team or whatever, mm-hmm. how does that impact compared to like the old... The younger mm-hmm. generation. Just like the, cult- yeah, the, both the culture and the like culture. the actual work uh, that happens. Right. I think his company, like the way he's describing it, it seems like super open and yeah. and, and looking like they let you do the, the change and they let you mm-hmm. come up with the ideas and things like that. But I feel like there's also the other side of things to companies where if they're just ingrained in the way that they do stuff, yeah, it's going to be harder for them to change. Yeah. So yeah. It's, a lar- it's a lot more difficult for mm-hmm. you to like traverse through those paths to like make change in that mm-hmm. in, in that sense and it seems very much like, like a corporate versus startup lifestyle instead yeah. of like the original question i had to ask was like uh senior engineers versus junior engineers yeah. and it that's how the culture was built so it's yeah. yeah i mean i think like especially maybe technical is a little bit different because like there's not that much change in like what 
people think how it should be done or what is the right way to do it. But that could, I, I could be wrong in that sense because some I've seen like some architects come in, they're like, this is all like shit, what you've done so far, you need to do it a different way because that, that's when we'll get all the performance upgrades and all that stuff, right? So I've seen that part and there's also other parts where they come in and like, okay, like this is good and we can just maintain it going forward. So mm-hmm. I don't know how that is, but like I guess in terms of like the product side of things and like the business side of things, it's it's definitely a lot like harder to like change those ways mm-hmm. if you're if you're in that. It's very ingrained. So like whatever the senior uh, analysts are telling you is, does that become a way of like how you're doing your work? Not not entirely. Like I, I was lucky enough to like be on a team that that wasn't that way and mm-hmm. like. You've been on a couple teams now, right? Yeah. So has it been the case for all three teams or three-ish teams? Two teams. Two teams. So yeah. far. But yeah. I, yeah. Both the teams that I've been on, I think I've been lucky with the way like my management was and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying like in general, it's just, it's a little bit more difficult in that mm-hmm. scenario. Like there's a lot more hoops to you you'll have to like run through than in a scenario that he's describing. Yeah. Okay. But I, I don't think they're like not open to change. It's just yeah. more difficult. Yeah. So. And it probably takes more convincing to do that change. And yeah. like to scale it to like a really big company is also like. And the other problem, uh, the other, like, the reason they don't want to drive the change is because that works, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's, it was, it's there, it works. And mm-hmm. if you break something, when you go to, when you try to change something, yeah. people are always going to be like, okay, shut it down. We're going to go back to yeah. the way things work. Because once you start, once you put something in production, it's so hard to get it. Yeah. If, if there's even a single customer using it, it's hard to change it. Yeah. Because that's making you money. You mm-hmm. don't change things that make money. Exactly. Yeah. There's a reason why... There's a way you run a company, yeah. Uh, there was this company that I uh, did uh, a, a two-week project for when I was at Red Hat. Yeah. And it was like filling oh, in prescriptions. pretty small. Yeah, it was like a, uh, filling in a prescription service, you know, like mail-order prescription service for your kidney stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's like 2016, and this company is still using this mainframe computer mm-hmm. to like do the process ordering. Yeah. Or the order processing, my bad. Yeah. Um, so you're like, huh? I guess you don't fix what's not broken, but you if know, it's not broken, don't yeah, fix it. Like, but at the same time, you're like, this thing is from the '80s and yeah. it's still doing this one oh. job. You tell them it was a lot of money to keep that up. Well, they don't care. They're making money. They're making hand over it's fist over what these making costs. A profit. But you'll get more profit. They understand that, but the, the, to to update that, they have to update their whole everything else. It's exactly it's so ingrained that it probably costs them more to actually change it. Yeah, that's definitely temporarily. Yeah, that's definitely then long like. But so you, I like guess that. you would have to see like the t- long term benefits of yeah. it. Yeah, well, I wasn't there for that at all. No. I just they just explained to me how it worked, and I was just so amazed by it. So here's a here's a question that I got from one of our friends, Nina. Uh, let me pose it to you both of you and see how you would react. How what what would you do in those situations? Um, if I remember it, let's see if I can <laughs> succeed in mentioning this question. What time? Fifty-four. So this will be the last, this can be like the last topic, and then we can wrap it up. Nice. Look at us. An hour just sailed by. Um, so essentially, the question is: You are the owner of a company, the CEO, and mm-hmm. you just spent about you just spent like hundred k trying to get um, this really high tech printer for your company mm-hmm. because printing is the primary purpose of the job, and and this is specifically designed for your company. But then a Another company that is in the same industry yeah. is going out of business. Yeah. And as part of their liquidation, they are offering to sell you this new printer, this old printer that they have, which is more efficient than yours, 
um, for about $10,000. But the company is currently out of money that it can spend it on. Well, you would have to spend it out of your pocket. Would you do it? This new printer is more efficient than the one that you got, this one that you could buy, and it can provide like more copies of pages, more whatever else you need to do. Have you already bought the... You've already paid for the 100K printer and you cannot sell it because it was specifically made for your company. I think, yes. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I... I can give you my reasoning, but... Yeah, which is why I want both of you to answer before giving reasonings. I guess I would have to see what is the what is the benefit that this new like mm-hmm. printer would provide. Mm-hmm. Would it be more than what the printer that we've made? And then is it you know I guess it's ten k versus a hundred k, so is it like ten times more eventually? Or <laughs> okay, I mean uh, let's hear your reasoning. I'll, you I'll you want to mention any more? No, I don't. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> The thing I, I'm not accounting for is that I'm, I'm expecting that the 10K and the 100K printer have both the same maintenance costs. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting like suckered into buying a lemon. Yes. Um, <laughs> you're, you're not getting suckered into the lemon and it's just, yeah. So I would say yes, because the company that's going out of business, right? It, mm-hmm. it, their customers are going to go somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you're going to have to kind of like prepare for that demand. And yeah, there will be a little bit of heartache to get the 10K printer integrated with whatever your systems are. But once that gets up and running, you kind of like pretty much doubled your output, like, right? That's fair. So my reasoning there was, it would, so the way I originally took the question was it replaces the, print, the 100K printer. Um, but you can't throw that away. You can't throw that yeah. away. So might, Mostly might because, as well keep it open, yeah. right? Yeah. Mostly because um, whatever demand that you have, this new 10K printer can meet, for example, if that's the case. My reasoning was if, the, dem- the output difference between the 100K printer and the 10K printer can cover up your 10K within a reasonable amount of time, then it's totally worth it. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Sort of using you you looked like you were going there, but uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I used the wrong numbers. Yeah, it's, it's, I would say like the 100K should not matter anymore, and it should be the output difference between the two printers, and if that can cover your 10K costs yeah. uh, within a reasonable amount of time. But you also, like, but you also have to take into... Account the new demand and yeah exactly yeah so it's like any market change condition market condition changes does affect the scenario as well so yeah and you rather spend that 10k and show a loss yeah right and but you still have this printer mm-hmm. that when the market goes on the upswing you're like well, I'll well I'm already prepared yeah. for it yeah agreed and then there was another scenario but I think also the the key point was would it pay out of your pocket right would, would you pay out of your pocket for the pocket? company. Yeah, I mean, I think it was pay out of my pocket, and I saw benefit to it. I would, I would be much rather doing that than like spending the company's money because then like all the employees would be affected. Well, the company's already spent all its money on the hundred k. The company has no more money, so. Well, yeah, I guess I was trying to say like, would the would would should a company buy that? Yeah. In that instance, if they had the money. Typically, CEOs, I don't think, buy out of their pocket, first of all. That's well, like, if it's that's a small business. Uh, yeah. If it's a small business, that's but what you, you people You still declare it, it as a business expense. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense because you get taxed differently, yeah. right? So you could, you would still... You would still expense it as a You're putting up the money for yeah. it, but it's still for your business. Your, mm-hmm. um, it's a, it becomes like a loan or something. Yeah. If you have to show income coming in somehow. Yeah. Um, but yes, so then this, the second scenario, and this will be the last one that we'll do, is... You are the owner of an airplane company, and you have spent, the expected cost of the full project is about $10 million. You have spent $9 million on building, so far, thus far, on building the, pro, uh, the airplane. But then 
another company has come out with a design that you know is better and more efficient, beat your design in every way. You finish your project. You still you spent nine of the ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. Would you finish the project? So there is this fallacy called the sunk cost fallacy, yeah. which I'm trying, which I think you're trying <laughs> to trick us into. But I, I want to get both of your answers before okay. I. <laughs> so I think is it only two of you? Are there any other airline companies? Like so, mm-hmm. what, what in this in the simplified scenario, it's the two, and you two are building similar products, but you know this new company has already built and is coming out with this more efficient and faster airline, um, Air- just airplane. Yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't. I would say yeah, exit. Exit. Yeah. What would you say? I'd say just just continue, finish it up. <laughs> well, at least get some revenue while you spend that much money. What are you going to do? Well, take it back. So this is where he started mentioning the sunk cost fallacy, and that's where the that's actually what the question's trying to um, ch- uh, determine. So when people spend a whole bunch of money, they have an, an you already felt like you spent so much that you have to continue on. But if you were to stop right there, you've only lo- you've lost nine million dollars. There's nothing you can do about it. But I thought the the you just have one more million to spend, right? Yeah, but you could save that one million. For the, okay. Well, your one million is indifferent of the nine million you spent. So you could, if you were to release this plane, since the other plane is already better, more efficient, more cheaper, that no one would buy your plane. Now you lost ten million. Now you've lost ten million instead of nine million. So, and most people typically choose like in a business scenario. Most people without like these specified uh, simplified scenarios. They actually choose that. Let's just finish it because it's, it's because there's politics, there's corporate structures. It's like, oh, I'm gonna look terrible if I stop my project. No, but don't you think you could sell it to at least one person? Well, so in the case of airlines, right? There is a reason why airlines have both Boeing's mm-hmm. and Airbuses. The reason for that is if Airbus or Boeing ever have a recall, you don't want your whole fleet grounded. Yeah. That happened to Southwest a few years ago. Because yeah. they're all... Their, really? Yeah, because they're all of their... Most of... Or 90-something percent of their uh, fleet is these Boeing 737s. Yeah. So if the 737s ever have a recall, mm-hmm. you get to ground every single one of them because the FAA will take away a license if you don't. Yep. So that's a reason... Now you have a, at least a backup. And a lot of airlines have like this combination of short-haul, long-haul mm-hmm. deals, right? So... You want to diversify your airplane fee- fleet, mm-hmm. and it costs more, yes, but at least it won't stop your whole product. Like you know, yeah. it won't stop all your routes yeah. if something weird to happen. Yeah. So yes, you should, <laughs> in the airline sense, you should yes. continue your project and sell it. Primarily because, people, because of that. Primarily because people want diversification, mm-hmm. especially into transport, mm-hmm. right? But um, in a simplified scenario, where companies or other people will only buy the most efficient, cheapest. Like it really depends on the market. Um, so yes, if that if what have just said was true, and I 100 percent believe it, mm-hmm. um, then people there's at least one customer will be willing to buy it because they don't want to put all their eggs in that basket. Right. But in the other sense, it's like if you know the other uh, company's just going to win out, and you can't even make that one million that you're about to spend back, then it makes no sense to continue, even if you spent nine million. Yeah, you take that loss and move on to do something else. You spend that next million on another project. Yeah, or put it towards another project. Yeah, right? yeah, for your next. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can wrap it up. We're at our hour. Um, so thanks for being on air with us, Shaisha. Thanks. And for, it's been really fun. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you enjoyed it, and thanks for being on air again, producer. I'm not getting on air. Why not? Again. Why not? Did you not enjoy this? <laughs> we'll talk about this.
Uh, why would you say this on camera? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you know this was the last time we are going to hear me. We'll get her back at least once. Uh, Suspense for next week. Yeah. Will she, won't she? <laughs> I think she's yeah, enjoying maybe. this. I think she's enjoying this. Uh, all right, so it's been The Lost Cause. And we're out. Peace. Peace.